Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Yes, indeedy. This is the Garden Wise Show with the Garden Wise Guys. My name is Keith Funk. I'm one of your hosts. And normally, Jim Borland would be here. And for those of you who are just tuning in. But he's not always normal. Well, this is true. I'm just saying. When is he ever normal? I'm just saying. (laughs) Of course, we're all a little bit, you know. I hope uh, so. Us plant people, we're all a bit touched. I hope so. So sitting in for Jim today, while he's on hiatus, is Luann Aiken from Tagawa Gardens, their garden ambassador. Greetings and good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining me today. It's always nice to have a, a second person in the studio to banter with. It's good practice to remember that I really can get up early. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad that Saturdays are the only day I have to get up this early. I used to do it for a living. I so know. Yeah. 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 Four o'clock. Ding. Ding. Oh, I didn't have to get up that early. Yeah. I'd get up at five every day for work, but. Had to be at the helicopter quarter to six. Hel- oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Good stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you miss it? I miss the scenery for sure. I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah. I miss the scenery. It's great. I'm a spot news geek, so yeah. Well, a lot of people that have been in Colorado for a while will know the name Luann Aiken. Hopefully not from my parole officer. From (laughs) the IRS. Um, From your time up in the Mm -hmm. helicopter doing traffic. What channel was that on? Channel 4. 4, that's what I thought, yeah. Uh, Those of you who are new to Colorado won't know that but uh luann is a bit of a legend here in colorado legend always reminds me of dinosaurs somehow so oh I really no legends aren't that old <laughs> some about four o'clock this morning it felt that way <laughs> no i'm happy to be here and you know it's the first two minutes that are rough mm, once, yeah. you get, once you're up you're vertical i'm good to go uh, once, w- once i'm in the shower yeah. that's, uh, that's all it yeah. takes I'm, I'm i don't care what time of day it is yeah. i'm awake yeah it's good. So. Happy to be here. So the phone number here, if you have a question for us, either myself or Luann, is, are you ready? 303-477-2473. Learn it, live it, love it. I like it. Do you? Yeah. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? I have a special number when I call in. Yeah, you do. You know, because... I am special. You are special. <laughs> she rides the short yellow bus. Sometimes it really is all about me. <laughs> <laughs> Not often. Not often. <laughs> so out of Tagawa's, yeah. I was going to say, I was asking you earlier what your favorite Christmas tree variety is. Do you have one? You know. Let's, 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 let's break it down, shall we? Favorite for smell. Ooh. You know, I don't have that distinguished of a sniffer because I go back in there and I just breathe it all in. Yeah. Because being an indoor forest. Yes. Know, yeah. It's an indoor forest. It's just this gorgeous, big, giant envelope of yum. Yeah. You know, before COVID, I'd say if you have a cold, you know, cover your mouth, but come in and breathe because it yeah. will really open up your sinuses. Oh, no doubt. I almost go more my feel. And I love the soft furs. and stuff. The furs. Yeah. Okay. What about form? 
Um, I, I don't like them so tight that you can't decorate them. Mm-hmm. My mom, um, rest in peace, was one of those who would, ha- we, we worked with those little aluminum icicle strands. Oh, yes. And they always had to tinsel. hang. Tinsel. Tinsel. There you go. Always had to hang straight. Yes, we had to put them on one oh, or two at a time. Did. She did. And, you know, the rest of us would be going to bed, and she's out there doing one little mm-hmm. piece of tinsel. And it looked gorgeous, but it's like, I don't do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, just so they're open. I like them to open and breathe a little bit, a yeah. little, little air. So that, the, so that the ornaments can hang. Yeah. Instead of being propped off out of the edge. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I agree. So like noble fur? Yeah. Yeah, um, nobles are great. I like those. Those are kind of have kind of tears yeah. to them. Yeah, a little formal looking, <coughs> but uh, but yeah. they have a good color. Really yeah. dark green. And what cracks me up? I go into the indoor forest at Tagawa, and we have some trees still left that are maybe knee high. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they're so cute. <laughs> you know, those would be good thriller trees. Yeah, they would be for your porch pots. They would be. Yeah. yeah. And and for those of you who are tuning in late. Um, at Tagawa's, they display all their trees indoors. That's what she's referring to, their mm-hmm. forest. Mm-hmm. It's all indoors and standing up in water. Yep. Only way to do it. Exactly. So these are well hydrated. Mm-hmm. The branches have all relaxed and dropped, and they, they, you've got the actual form that they're going to be. You can walk all the way around them. Right. It's a great way to get them. Yeah, it's, it's, like I said, fresh cut when they come off the truck, mm-hmm. go into water right away. Somebody buys them another fresh cut, bagged up, mm-hmm. so the branches aren't flapping in the breeze as you go home. Yeah. Um, and a holiday greeting. Wave bye-bye. Have a great, <laughs> have a great hi- holiday, you know. A little cup yeah. of wassail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, let's see. So I'm assuming that you guys have uh, amaryllis bulbs. Uh-huh. Now, Brian called earlier. He said that they were very popular. Have you, have you noticed that this year? Are they more popular than usual? It seems like Chicago's, they've always been really popular because mm-hmm. they like to bring a lot of different things in. Yeah. Um, and I was telling you that I had some that I held over the summer mm-hmm. um, that are just, you know, doing fine and dandy with their leaves, but I didn't force a dormancy. So yeah. I won't do that next year. So I actually bought one yesterday that's already coming up. It's like, ah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, some of them are um, absolutely massive. I gave one to my cousin up in Avon, and they are not plant people, and they stuck it in a dark corner, and it has come back up. It's white with little peachy coral, and they've got four blossoms on it. Wow. And it's, it's you know, f- what, three feet tall. Oh, my gosh. So sometimes you stumble into doing exactly the right thing. <laughs> it's just gorgeous. <laughs> Happy and accidents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they're very proud. <laughs> Mine are sitting there doing nothing. It's like, okay. Well, you know, you, they're doing something. They're growing beautiful leaves, yeah. and that rebuilds yeah. the bulb yeah. to bloom again. And the normal blooming cycle is in the spring for amaryllis. Well, I'm looking forward to April then. Yeah. <laughs> because or March. Yeah. Maybe May. Yeah. They'll just do their thing when they're ready. You know, and that's as, as so much of life is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> when the time is right. Exactly. And when you buy an amaryllis bulb, um, it's tempting to go on the cheap because you see these bulbs and they're quite large. Uh, but buy the biggest ones you can find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, size is everything when it comes to bulbs. Bigger bulb, bigger flower. Bigger flower, more flower right. stalks. Right. Rather than just one stem, you might get two or three if you get nice big bulbs. So that's important. So, so Dr. Keith, I have a... I no, have a, dear. Okay. How come some amaryllis, 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 will send their flower up first, some will send the leaves up first, and some will do it all at the same time? What's that about? 
I don't know. An abundance of silence. It is. I think, is it just a variety thing? I don't, I don't even know that it's a varietal thing. I think it's more an environmental thing. Yeah, what, what they're living in. Yeah, Yeah. and how they've been stored. Uh-huh. You know, when you buy them from the store, they have been stored. They've been harvested probably more th- a couple months ago at least mm-hmm. so they could get dried off and packaged and graded and shipped and into your store and, and so forth. That takes a while, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably some still sitting off the coast of California in barges. For <laughs> next Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but once they're put into growing conditions, then, you know, there's the Dutch amaryllis and then there's the African amaryllis. And they do behave differently. And I, I'm pretty much convinced that the African amaryllis have a tendency to put up the flower spikes first, okay. followed by leaves. Sometimes the leaves start while they're in flower, whereas the Dutch very often will put up leaves at the same time. So it's not really that people who are frustrated with this have done anything wrong. No. You know, how do I make it? You don't. You don't. It's going to do what it's going to do. <coughs> so keep that in mind and enjoy. And then yeah. those leaves that it does produce are really important to encourage those leaves to continue to grow. Put them in a very sunny window after they finish blooming. Even direct sun? Direct sun, absolutely. Okay. South window, west okay. window, just give them as much sun as you possibly can. And encourage that foliage. Feed them with practically every watering. In fact, that's on my list of things to discuss today. We were talking okay. about high, uh, houseplants. Most houseplants are tropicals. Mm-hmm. Tropicals grow pretty much year-round. That's why they're so popular as houseplants, is these plants have been picked because they grow continuously so the growers can continually produce them year-round. If they didn't, the growers would have an off-season. Right. They don't like that. Right. So it's important, while these plants are growing on a continual basis, to continually feed them like you would maybe half as much as you would in summer because the light intensity is lower, the day length is shorter, the temperatures are cooler, so the plant isn't growing as fast, doesn't need to be fed as much, but they still need to be fed on a regular basis. And also the watering You'll, buy, you'll probably find that your plants aren't drying out as quickly. Mm-hmm. So your summer schedule, and I'm using air quotes here uh, for schedule because plants have no idea what a right. schedule is for, but your summer schedule isn't going to apply for the winter. Uh, you'll need to readjust. They'll need water less frequently. You'll still want to give them a good soak when you do water them, but then probably have to wait a little bit longer between watering so they don't stay too wet. And what wet plants encourage is fungus gnats. Right. right. You, you've dealt with those, oh haven't yeah. you? Yeah. And, and the good news about fungus gnats is it's really easy to control. Very easy. What's, what's your recommendation? Fluff the soil, A. Uh-huh. You know, and make sure. Um, there are some... Describe fluffing the soil. Take a, a fork or something with tines uh-huh. um, and gently loosen that top inch or so of soil, trying to respect the roots mm-hmm. of whatever plant. But get some air down in there. It's mm-hmm. like aerating your lawn. Get some air down in there because those fungus gnat eggs, which are down in that top layer of soil, mm-hmm. um, don't like it when it's dry. That's why overwatering routinely will create fungus gnat issues. Well, and also overwatering routinely or watering too frequently. Uh, if the soil stays wet too long and roots start to rot, right. mm-hmm. Or even if the potting soil itself starts to rot. It's too heavy. Right. That is food for fungus yeah. net. Yeah. 
larva. And so the, the, the trick to controlling fungus gnats is to let your plants dry out more during the winter and to break the life cycle mm-hmm. of the fungus gnat because the, the, the adults come out and they fly around and they get in your wine glass or your beer glass or, or whatever. And but during that time, they're, they're partying. Yeah. They're, they're reproducing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what nature intended. And they, then the female goes back to the, the soil and lays eggs. And it, it, I think they live for, for what, five days? It's the very, adult? Yeah. Very short period of time. Yeah. It's the immature stage that you want to prevent from getting Break going. Break the cycle. Break the cycle of that egg laying. So one of the best ways I can recommend, there's, there are yellow sticky strips. Um, some people call them white fly strips. Mm-hmm. I find they work beautifully for fungus gnats as well. You can stick in your, uh, stick in your plants uh, mm-hmm. at the soil level. And in conjunction with that, there are some things called mosquito bits. Mm-hmm. And it's a type of bacteria. But it's totally biological. Completely bacteria. Yeah, 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 biological. Yeah. It, it goes specifically for mm-hmm. mosquitoes and fungus gnats and a couple of other flying type the bugs. The larva. The larva, yeah. So you, you sprinkle these bits. It's like granules on the topsoil uh, around the top of your plant and water them in. And then the bacteria goes in and goes hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll take care of those, those larvae for you. Right. And so if you can break that cycle, it, it gets rid of the, la- the, the gnats pretty quickly. And I like the bits because there's no odor. There's no odor. Yeah. And it's all natural. Mm-hmm. Your cat can still dig in the soil. It's made of the same things that people would put in a pond or something. Exactly. For the mosquito larva. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dunks. Yeah, the dunks will work too. Uh, if, you, if you can't find mosquito bits, which are the granular, mm-hmm. you can use the dunks and just take the dunk, and I take a hammer to it, and just bust it all up. Just because you like to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and you can soak it in a bucket of yeah. water for a while and then drain off the water and water your plants with it. Or you can just sprinkle the broken up bits of mosquito dunks on top of the yeah. soil and water over them and watch your watering from then on out yeah you know, figure out why you got the fungus net issue in the first place especially if you're if your plants are sitting in a saucer and you're used to watering and then leaving the water in the saucer mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a bad thing to do either put some some bricks or something in that saucer to elevate the pot up out of the saucer so the water still goes into the saucer but the plant's not sitting right. in it or go to all the trouble of draining your saucers each time you water, which mm-hmm. can be a pain. Mm-hmm. Turkey basters work pretty good. Oh, to get that's a good idea. Yeah. But uh, I just find that elevating them up yeah. out of the pot. You get a little bit of humidity, mm-hmm. you know, coming up off that. Yeah, usually things, things will dry out yeah. by the time you water the next time. <laughs> if not, <laughs> you'll have to drain it. Or it'll overflow. One rule of thumb I learned when I first went to Tagawa's was the, the lady who was then the director, the supervisor in, uh, in a floral, I mean mm-hmm. in our foliage department. Mm-hmm. She said water till water comes out the bottom, then wait till the top third of however tall that pot is, is dry to the touch. Mm-hmm. So if it's a six inch tall pot, wait for the top couple of inches to dry out and then water it thoroughly again. Yeah. So it's a good visual way to think of it. It is. And, and the way to test that is with your finger. Yeah. It's the most important gardening tool you have, and it's attached to you. Hopefully you, you don't have to buy one. Let's <laughs> place it like your phone in your keys. Yeah, unless you're my wife. Now, now. And I've asked her to check the plants 
<laughs> and I said, stick your finger in there, and she'll hold up her hands and say, not with these. Yeah. Because she has her nails done. Yeah. I'm good with these. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've had a manicure twice in my life. You can tip the pot. If it's a big pot and you don't want to stick your finger in, you can just kind of tip the pot a little bit. If it's heavy, yeah. it's wet. If it's light, it's dry. Yeah. You can use chopsticks, un- uncoated, um, like you buy at the grocery store or whatever, or, or even shish kebab skewers, those uncoated wooden mm-hmm. shish kebab skewers. Stick those in the ground. If it comes back up moist with soil attached to it, there's plenty of water. Yeah. Or you can buy a, a moisture meter. There are a lot of plants where if you're not sure whether you should water or not, wait a day. Yeah, or two or three. Yeah. yeah. Hold back. When in doubt, hold back. Exactly. We got collars. We do. Um, if the plant is wilting, though, that's usually a good indication. And I like to let plants, if, uh, if I'm unfamiliar, if it's a new plant, and I'm not sure how long it's going to take for it to dry out enough, I'll let it wilt. Yeah. I'll just withhold water until it does wilt. It gives me an idea of the interval. And then well, I'll cut a day off or two yeah. the next time. Don't do that with your poinsettia. No, no. Don't do that with the poinsettia. They are they unforgiving. Don't very unforgiving. Gently, lightly moist all the time. Yes. And there's, they're usually small enough where you can lift the pot yeah. and get an idea of how much moisture is in there just by the weight. Yeah. Totally unforgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get out to the phones. We have, who's up first? That's going to be Jeanette. In Centennial. Good morning, Jeanette. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent. What's going on with you? Well, um, I'm getting excited about Christmas, so I've got my poinsettia, not my amaryllis yet. But my problem is, a couple of months ago, you said something about a plant getting a virus, and that kind of surprised me. I'd never heard of plants getting virus, but I think that's what happened to me. I had a beautiful philodendron pathos, or whatever you want to call it, but it was like about three feet tall. And, you know, on a on a post. And I'd had it for 15 years, and it was gorgeous. And all of a sudden, it started getting some yellow leaves here and there. And so I repotted it, thinking, you know, I had been neglecting it. Not Anyway, it just got worse and worse, and the thing got seriously ill. So I ended up having to take it all apart. I assume that's what it was, a virus. I took it all apart and just saved what was good what looked like still good green pieces and put them in a uh, in water to root them mm-hmm. and they also look like they're going to be there you know most of them are are getting brown and yeah dead it sounds bacterial did I, it doesn't what sound I, what did i do it doesn't sound like a virus it sounds bacterial to me uh, viruses will cause the leaves to deform get all crinkled uh, have streaks of weird colors in the leaves. Um, no, yeah, mine yeah. didn't do that. No, they just, they just, they just, you know, occasionally every plant will get a yellow leaf here or there. These got just all of a sudden there were a lot of them. And instead of getting crispy, they just, you know. But boy, did it look sickly! Did, is it, could I have saved it had I repotted it sooner? Probably. I'm I'm guessing what happened. And Luann, jump in whenever you want. Um, I'm guessing what happened is that it may have been in that pot for too long between repotting. Because it's a good idea to repot about every three or four years. And if it had been in there for much longer than that, the soil 
Potting soils now are mostly organic materials that break down over time. Then the soil gets very dense. There's very little oxygen left in the soil. They stay wet too long. And then you get bacterial and fungal problems. And some of them are systemic. They'll get into the plant itself. And once that happens, it's, especially with bacteria, it's very hard to get it out. I see. Yeah, it, it had been in the pot, the original pot for, like I said, 15 years. But it was so beautiful. It's kind of like don't. If it's not yeah. broke, don't fix it kind of thing, you know. But um, uh, am, I, am I being a dead horse by trying to keep these cuttings alive? What do you have to lose? I just, <laughs> I wouldn't take well, it to the bank true. yet. Yeah, you know. Um, and yeah. th- then treat yourself for the holidays to a brand new beautiful <laughs> pothos. <laughs> I, yeah, well, if I buy a new plant, I have to sneak it in the house when my husband's not looking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I've so always found I it's much so easier to get forgiveness than permission. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason to always just repot things periodically without waiting for a problem to happen. Correct. Because because of the potting soil deteriorating over time. And it's easy to okay. forget that, that plants' roots don't just need water. They need air. And when that soil is continually decomposing and getting more and more dense the fibers are getting tinier and tinier there's no room for air so you want to make sure that you've got some air in there in proportion to the water as well to keep those roots really thriving now one thing you can do when you do repot you know it's it's tempting to just go into a bigger and bigger pot and after a while that plant's going to be way over potted and so when you take it out of the container and you're going to repot it take it out of the pot and then use a fork or some chopsticks or some kind of utensil to tease away all the way around the root ball an inch or two of the old potting soil. And then you can uh-huh. drop it right back into the original pot with some fresh potting soil around it. You know, that's what I did, except that then I put it back, I put it back in the original pot, but then that pot went into a decorative pot, which kept any air from getting to it. So I can see that. Did the, the, did the decorative pot have any, um, which, where, you had drainage in the primary pot? Had drainage in the primary pot, but not in the decorative pot. But I could stick my fingers down there to make sure that it wasn't sitting in water. Okay. But it wasn't getting much air circulation, I guess. It's more about the air in the soil, right yeah. around the root ball. Oh, rather in than, the uh-huh, yeah. yeah, it needs to be have a degree of fluffiness, I guess. Exactly. So... Stick a, stick a chopstick down there periodically and poke holes in it? That wouldn't be a bad idea. You're going to damage a few roots doing that, but they grow roots quickly. Yeah. And if it's Well, those, those plants are almost indestructible, kind yeah. of, except yeah. in this case. <laughs> <laughs> if, if the pot is small enough to be able to lift, I'd love to go by weight, get to know the plant, know what it feels like yeah. after it's been watered, and wait till it's significantly lighter yeah. before you water it again. Yeah. And pothos well, can no, go pretty dry. Yeah, that's it with this. It was just so it was such an easy plant, but it was in a really big pot and then in a really big decorative pot. So I, I don't think I, unless maybe to move under, clean underneath it, I never moved it. Mm-hmm. I never lifted it. When, yeah. When you repotted it, what did the roots look like? Um, they looked okay. They White. weren't rotten or anything. Okay. But, you know, I was worried about getting too much water in there. Yeah. But um, they looked fine, and I got most of the soil off of them. Think I didn't rinse it or anything. And then I went and got my ultimate soil and put that in there, and uh-huh. it just didn't. I was too late. I, I waited too long. Yeah, it sounds I like guess. it. Yeah. 
You have lots so, of time to okay. recover, though. Lesson learned, plant. huh? I know, I know, but I hate to lose any plant, even one of my African <laughs> violets when it goes dead. I, I have a hard time letting it go, you know. Well, just look totally at it. Black. Look at it as a new opportunity. Uh, okay, inspire me. New opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't speak for the okay. other garden centers, but I know Tagawa's right after the first of the year puts a lot of focus on house plants with new inventory and. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the middle of winter, so people still want to garden, and mm-hmm. houseplants are the easiest way to do that exactly. in the dead of winter. So, oh, yeah. And so, they're so popular right now. Yeah. There's such a great variety of plants to choose from, much more than when I was a kid. Yeah, There's so yeah. many cool things. Philodendrons or peperomia or peperomia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty boring. <laughs> Not yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's true. There's so many neat ones, which is kind of tempting, though. I see them, and I want them. Exactly. And I really don't need any more plants. So. Sure you do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's right. Like, because I'd have to sneak them in the house then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys. Good have, luck. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. You too. Thanks, Jeanette. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to be gone for just a few seconds, and then we'll be back to the GardenWise show on Legends 810. As a gardener, you already know that happy, healthy roots translate to happy, healthy plants. Unfortunately, not all potting mixes are created equal. And without a good soil environment for healthy root growth, your houseplants, herbs, and other potted plants are sentenced to a life of hard labor or worse. That's why all gardeners need to know about Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. The choice of professional nursery and greenhouse growers, a long-lasting all-purpose performer, Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix has everything necessary your plants need to thrive, including slow-release humates to promote healthy roots and vibrant, vigorous plants. When you want to know which product works best, find out what the experts use. Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. Your plants will love you for it. Ask for Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix by name at your favorite independent garden center. Jared's Garden Center. Tagawa Gardens, Wilmore Nursery, and Nick's Garden Center. Be sure and tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 930 to 1030 on Legends. All right, we are back to the Garden Wise Show. My name is Keith Funk. I'm your host today until 9 o'clock, and we're here every Saturday morning from 7 to 9. And uh, then you can listen to us again, if you like to, on Sunday evenings from 6 to 8. It'll be the same show, so you'll hear the same shtick. Just binge. Just binge. That's right. And you can listen to us on 810 The Legend, AM, or you can listen to the FM station, 95.3. Either one will get you to us. And we'll be happy to answer your garden questions at 303-477-2473. And joining me today is Luann Aiken, the garden ambassador from Tagawa Gardens. Up and Adam. Up and Adam. Yep. That's right. I'm surprised. I'm, I was really impressed that you were just all perky and ready to go this morning. Well, like I said, two minutes vertical and I'm good to go. Those <laughs> first two minutes getting that foot out of the bed and onto the floor. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but our dogs sleep in the bed with us. Mm-hmm. And they don't like us getting up. Yeah. 
So it's like they crawl up on top of me if I'm trying to get up and they don't want me to leave. And see, my dog Dooley is like the minute you move, ah, breakfast. <laughs> so there's no going back. There's no going back. All right. Well, let's go back out to the phones and uh, see what's going on with Jim out in Denver. Good morning, Jim. Hi. Happy holidays, guys. You Thanks, too. Jim. Uh, I've really been interested in all of your uh, Christmas tree advice and so on. And I don't want to waste your time, but I felt like I wanted to call in and share an old Christmas tree memory from 50s and 60s when okay. I was a kid. Go ahead. Uh, we, used to, we used to buy our Christmas trees from the parking lot of Gates River Plant. Okay. Every every night, we went. every time we went out there, it was freezing cold at night. Brought them home. Christmas trees were nailed onto those cross wooden yeah. plank stands. My father would nail it to the floor, cut off the bottom branches, and drill holes in the trunk to fill in the bare spots. Remember that? And that uh-huh. was how our that was how our Christmas tree was put up. And mom would hang tinsel. One strand at a time, and the kids would throw globs, and she would hate that. <laughs> yeah, stay up late fixing the globs. Did you ever have one of the uh, aluminum trees with the rotating color wheel? Uh, we did not, but I envied the one that my neighbors across the street had. <laughs> They're getting popular again, yeah. too, by the way. I know they are. I, I've actually looked at some of them online, and uh, I don't know. But anyway, that was... I just wanted to share that from the old days, and uh, your guys' methods are certainly a lot better, but maybe it took a few years to figure it out, I suppose. I guess. Well, thank you for calling and share that with us, Jim. Have a great holiday. Sure. Thanks a lot, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, growing up in Kansas, about the only Christmas tree that was grown out there was a scotch pine. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with what Scotch pines do in the winter, but they turn kind of a pale green, uh-huh. yellowy green okay. for their winter color. Not the best color for Christmas trees. Yeah. So they painted them. They really did. I was, had a feeling that was coming. Mm-hmm. They dyed them. My mom didn't like the color. So every year our tree was flocked. Okay. We never had a green tree that I can remember. Flocking not so much for effect as camouflage. The camouflage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And the tree was done up all in gold. Gold okay. lights, gold ornaments, gold tinsel, gold garland. Everything was gold. Yeah. It's funny how each family would have its own kind of thing, its own approach. Mm-hmm. You know, to, uh, I have an uh, aunt who would take the eggs, everything from ostrich eggs to goose eggs to chicken eggs, carve out that little hole and put tiny little, f- line it with velvet and corduroy, corduroy and, and put tiny little figures in there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's one reason I don't have a Christmas tree lately with all the dogs. Yeah. The eggs are very attractive. They oh, so like you have some toys. of those. Oh, I have probably 50. We, we got one every, <coughs> every season, every Christmas. Oh, my. Each family member got an Those egg. are family heirlooms. Yeah. Yeah. Rhinestones. It was all kinds of fun. And she tried to find a theme. You know, like I was six years old taking ballet, so mine had a little ballerina in it. And oh, my it was goodness. very personal. It was yeah. fun. Well, I was worried this year about our dogs because this is really the first Christmas that they've been through as adult dogs. Yeah, alleged. Alleged. (laughs) And so far, they've been very good. They haven't touched the tree. Yeah. Except if an ornament falls off, then it's 
Fair game, game on. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, they've left the presents alone. Wow. They left the ribbons alone. They've left the ornaments. I'm, I'm <laughs> probably jinxing myself Alien here. Alien. Do- yeah. By the time <laughs> you get home. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun. And um, we did a, uh, I did a blog this week on how people can take a very plain wreath, a beautiful, fresh, evergreen, but undecorated mm-hmm. wreath, yeah. and decorate it themselves. Absolutely. Um, and it's real easy to do. And I encourage people, you know, if there are little ornaments that are personally important to you, that mm-hmm. bring back a memory. Maybe you don't have a big tree anymore. Maybe you have some little spare, whether it's a bell or something. You can put those on, on a fresh wreath, and it looks absolutely lovely. And it's your wreath. Absolutely. It's your family story. So All you need is a little bit of uh, paddle wire, is what mm-hmm. I call it. You mm-hmm. buy a little mm-hmm. stick with, with green yeah. wire on it, yeah. and you cut pieces off. And you can wire them into the wreath so they don't fall. And sometimes you can even just use ornament hooks. Ornament hooks would work too. Yeah. But it's really fun to make it yours, your mm-hmm. family. And I think um, that wreaths are as important as trees for giving a sense of holiday and spirit and you know family gathering. And you have more than one door, so you can have more than one there wreath. There is that. There is that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, multiple wreaths in the house. I have multiple trees. You would. I have garland that the dogs have discovered the pine cones on. Okay. That's a problem. Need to put some pokey pine cones on there. I don't think that would stop them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the vacuum cleaner doesn't particularly like vacuuming up Mm -hmm. pine cone scales. No. And they hurt. Well, I I can only imagine what happens at the other end of the dogs. Let's not go there. I mean, they've got some fiber going, but that's, come on, that's ridiculous. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so as you can tell, we have no callers. <laughs> Our conversation What's that is about? deteriorating here. So give us a call, 303-477-2473. 477-2473. And um, one thing that I, I, I can't get through this show without mentioning is watering. <clears throat> we lost yeah. another half an inch of moisture through ET this last week. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't watered for a month since your sprinkler system got shut off, that's a couple of inches of water, half an inch a week, a couple of inches of water. And uh, that could cause some plants to be suffering right now, especially new plants. Even if they were put in early last spring, mm-hmm. perennials, trees, shrubs, uh, anything that was planted this summer, anything that was planted this fall is going to need your help. And back in my master gardening school days, um, when we would uh, do our, we did all of our classes, and then in the spring, you'd, part of your payback was to do the Q and A on mm-hmm. the phone at a hotline. And so many times, people would call in and say, "You know, my tree started the spring, early summer, great, looked yeah. perfect. Heat of July hit, and it crashes." Mm-hmm. And the first question is, "Did you winter water?" And most of the time, they would say, "What's that?" Yeah, people are getting smarter about that. Because even though the, the tree, the top growth looks dormant, mm-hmm. that root system is kind of percolating away, trying to do some work in there. And if the root system dies, trees are, are notorious for having, in a good way, for having so much stored energy. Yes. That when they come out, the leaves come out in the spring and things are easy, it's great. But when the heat hits in midsummer or earlier. And there's no roots. And the roots, half the root system died last January. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. Uh, Can't keep up. No. Uh-uh. 
supply and demand. They don't have the root system to deliver the, tr the moisture that the tree needs to exist in those really hot conditions. Yeah. Winter watering is huge. It is huge. Yeah. And I know working at Nick's this last uh, summer and fall, selling trees to people, I, the question was, is it okay to plant mm -hmm. in September, mm -hmm. in October? And I said, yes, provided that you commit to winter watering. If you don't, you'll be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just makes, it can make all the difference. It does. So what does that mean, winter watering? It means when we have a dry spell like we're having right now, we have had a, an inch of moisture since the end of June. Mm. That's it. That's all we've had. And we had 11 inches through the spring, mm -hmm. through, uh, through the end of June, and then an inch since then. That should tell you that things are dry. Very, very dry. And now that your sprinkler systems have been turned off and blown out, you don't want to turn them on again. You're going to have to drag a hose. And I recommend that, um, on, on especially the fall-planted things, late summer fall-planted things, get out there at least once a month, hopefully every two weeks if you can. Maybe do some spot watering. Uh, but uh, this weekend, I am going to take the sprinklers out, and I'm watering my entire square footage mm -hmm. of my property. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to get soaked. The smaller things are more important. Some of those yeah. big 20, 25-year-old trees, mm -hmm. there's not a great way to, no. to winter water those. But the things that are priorities, the things that are next to your home, that make a visual impact as you mm -hmm. approach the house, new perennials, any perennials. perennials, yeah. Any perennials. Yeah. At, the, at this point, mm -hmm. it's dry. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like I said, I'm getting out there. The sprinklers are going to run for 30 to 45 minutes per location. The, one of the secrets is to know how much water your system, whether it's watering by hand, spot mm -hmm. watering, know how much you're delivering. When people ask, how much should I water? You know, it depends on how much water your system, whether it's a hose or a sprinkler, is delivering. So go to the old tuna can, cat can, mm -hmm. cat food can, and do a normal cycle, what you think is normal, and measure and see how much water you're actually getting down. And if it's a quarter of an inch, it doesn't count. Yeah, it, it's got to be at least a half an inch of water when you're watering. And you also need to know whether your soil can absorb that much water at one time, at one watering. Some, some of the really heavy clays can't. And you'll start getting water runoff after 10 or 15 minutes. I also recommend that if you can use a sprinkler uh, with a hose, with a sprinkler on the end of it, let it run slowly for a long period of time, it's much better than trying to go out there with a watering wand and watering by hand. You're putting the water down so fast in such a small area that the moisture just can't get down into the soil quick enough. And it starts running off right away, and you think, oh, I've done my job. Mm. Well, you haven't because it just started running off. Didn't, it, it didn't soak in. I know we have a couple calls to take, but remember that the snow in Colorado, on average, it takes about 12 inches of snow to get one inch of water. Mm -hmm. Some of our spring snows, obviously, are wetter than that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you've got six inches of powder out there, if that ever happens, it's, it's next to no moisture. And most of it evaporates yeah. without ever soaking in. Yeah. So I've always told people, snow never counts toward your winter watering. Never counts. Mm -hmm. Unless you get one of those 1981 six-foot dumps yeah you know yeah, yeah. that might count <laughs> yeah more than you want <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah all right let's get out to the phones before we have to take a break here uh let's go to Corey out in aurora good morning Corey. 
morning. Good morning. I have a question. I was listening about repotting the plants, uh-huh. and I was wondering if that goes for the snake plants, too. Uh, what part of what we talked about are you asking about? Whether um, they need to be repotted to, regularly? Yes, yes. Absolutely. Uh, any, any house plant needs to be repotted regularly to replace old, worn-out soil. Uh, your plant might survive if you don't do that. It may survive and sort of grow and not get much bigger. Uh, it may die if you don't do it, but it'll be much happier if you do repot on a regular basis. Okay, okay. And, and, and how often should I water the snake plants? Because it's hard to tell when it's wilting. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's one of those plants you're going to have to stick your finger in or get a moisture meter you can stick down in the pot or tip the pot or lift it to see how heavy it is. Snake plants are heavy, though. Mm. So um, <clears throat> you're best off using, if you can, just use your finger. Stick it down to the second knuckle, knuckle of your index finger. And when it feels more dry than moist, give it a good soak. They're, they're a plant that does like to go on the dry side between waterings. And they have a really small root system compared yes. to sometimes the top growth. Mm-hmm. So you want to be careful about not overpotting it and putting it in a pot that's got a whole lot of soil around the perimeter of the pot that is never getting used by the roots because yeah. it's just going to sit there and stay wet. So how, so how much larger should I go? A couple inches. At the, the most. Yeah, than the root system. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you can, if the, if the soil has really de- deteriorated, uh, you can do what I told the last caller about that is to go through with a fork or some chopsticks and, and uh, tease away some of that old soil from the roots all the way gotcha. around. And then gotcha. reset it. You may be able to set it right back into the same pot with the fresh soil. Okay. All so right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good Thanks luck. for calling. Thank you. All right, so with that, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back to talk to Jude in Denver about garlic, your oh, favorite subject. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. All right, you're listening to The Garden Wise Show on A10 The Legend. Flowers make holiday celebrations extra special. At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we make it easy to thank a host, send holiday wishes, and deck your halls. Let us help with your gift list. We can deliver fresh floral bouquets and holiday plants locally and across the country. At Lafayette Florist, it's easy to send a heartfelt sentiment. Visit our website for beautiful holiday choices. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com. Call us at 303-665-5555 or stop by. We're open daily. These unprecedented times call for making new memories, and flowers should be a part of everyone's celebration. Make those holiday video calls a little brighter with flowers in the screenshot. Send an Instagrammable floral hug to all the special people in your life. Call us, order online, or stop by. We take care of all the arrangements in all parts of the country. Lafayette Florist, Gift Shop, and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. The friendly folks at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden look forward to seeing you during the holiday shopping period. Complimentary hot cider and hot chocolate plus cookies will be available for your enjoyment. Our elves have turned the greenhouse and gift store into a magical winter wonderland. Jared's has one of the best stores around. You'll find delightful Christmas ornaments and decor, as well as unique gift items for everyone on your list. Items from whimsical to elegant. If you haven't visited us during the Christmas season, you'll be very surprised at the variety and quality of the available product. 
Fresh-cut Christmas trees and greenery are in stock and looking beautiful. We hang our trees so you can easily see all sides. You'll find beautiful Noble Fraser and Nordman fir, as well as Grand Douglas and Balsam fir. Most are available in several sizes, from 4 feet to 12 feet. There are limited numbers of trees above 8 feet tall. There are limited number of 10 feet and up native concollar fir available. Santa's helpers will put fresh cut on your tree and tie it on your vehicle for a safe trip home. They do, however, really love pickups this time of year. Wreaths are available in sizes from 8-inch rings to 12-inch rings. The elves can provide a bow or even custom decorate a wreath for you. You'll also find fresh garland and bows of various kinds. Locally grown poinsettias in several sizes and beautiful Christmas cactus are in stock. In addition to Christmas decor and gift items, of course, standard everyday items you might need are available. Potting soil, decorative pots, house plants, seeds, mulch, things you expect to find at a garden center, no matter the season. Jared's Christmas hours are 9 to 7 weekdays and 9 to 5 weekends. All right, we are back and taking your garden questions here on the GardenWise Show with Keith Funk. That would be me and, and Luann Aiken. not Jim. The not Jim, yeah. Luann Aiken from Tagawa Gardens. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. And the telephone number here for you to use, and it's just for you, is 303-477-2473. And you know what? Jude did just that out in Denver. Let's talk about garlic. Good morning, Jude. Good morning. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise guys. What can we do for you today? Well, I planted some garlic about, you know, maybe a month ago, and it's coming up. It's okay. Supposed okay. to. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was thinking maybe, you know, harvest it next year, but not quite this yeah. quickly. No, no it, it'll be, it'll it, be next it's year. It's happy. It's happy. Are yeah. you going to mulch it over the winter? I hadn't even considered it. It's a good idea. All it's right. a good idea. Just something so real loose, like straw or um, leaves from my locust. Real dried leaves. Real dried, uh, never wet. Mm-hmm. Once they dry, they don't soak, you know, yeah. sloppy, wet like they... But give the give the garlic bed a really good soak of water before exactly. you mulch it. Yeah. And then stop watering it? No. If it's dry, you'll yeah. keep water. Do you keep watering yours, yeah. Luann? Once a month. Once a month? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've got some of those pods. You know, actually, I've got thousands of those pods for my honey locust. Oh. Can I just toss some of those on there? I wouldn't use the pods. I'd just use the leaves. Okay, I can do that. And all you, all it needs to be is an inch or so deep, inch or two at the most. Okay. Because you do it. want any moisture that we get to get through the mulch down mm-hmm. into the soil. I got it. How big is your little garlic bed? How big is my garlic uh-huh. bed? How many plants did you start? I think I stuck about six or seven. Oh, uh, perfect. That's my, my herb garden. I've got a sure. like a tarragon sure. and parsley and stuff so i just put those on the edge and have you grown it before uh years ago okay i've got a huge yard i've got several beds and uh so i tried different things you know that's great so but i tried the garlic this time and you know it's so beautiful out and i looked the other day and i went oh no (laughs) and garlic is not it is it's i wouldn't call it a water hog but deep consistent watering will give you bigger bulbs, period. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've been watering it about every couple of days, so okay. maybe yeah. back off and just... That's probably it. That's probably yeah. more than you need. Yeah. And then in the okay. spring, when it starts to come up, 
really deep watering. You don't want the soil to be consistently soggy, but that good deep drink, let it dry out a little bit. A good deep drink. The, the s- I've found with some people I work with that they're simply underwatering their garlic because I can pull out some really pretty big bulbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm convinced it's just really great deep watering. Mm-hmm. All right. And you think this will be time to harvest? This will be like next, uh, like fall? They'll tell you. No, mine usually uh, starts to brown down. The general rule of thumb is when about a third of the foliage has started to brown down, you start to pull back the watering, let it dry down a little bit more, um, and then you dig it up gently. Not pull, never pull it. I'd love to live in a place where you could pull the garlic. Yeah. Colorado, and then just let it dry out of the sun in a nice airy place. So leave leave the growth on any green growth. Leave it on for a week or two, however it longs it takes to to dry down, and then leave yourself a good inch or so on the neck of. Uh, and that'll be what in July. July, yeah. It, mine is different varieties are a week or two off, but mm-hmm. mine I usually start digging in July. But they tell you. Yeah, they do. They're very. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an onion. It's very visual. Yeah. yeah. So a third, keep in mind a third of the top growth. Once that's gone down, you're starting to back off the watering, and you're just going to let it cure in the ground a little bit, and then go ahead and, and gently dig it up and cure it. Now Sunny. backing backing off on the draw on the watering for her might be a little difficult because they're mixed it's in with her herbs. herbs. Yeah, and the herbs will want to continue to be moist. They're on the edge of the bed, though. Okay. So okay. I, yeah. I, I can. Yeah, I, I can get around that. You can at least pull the mulch back, and that will help yeah. dry things down mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Congratulations. I love garlic growers. <laughs> it's, I don't cook, as Keith says, but growing and giving away garlic is a real sport for me. I love it. <laughs> it is a sport for her. Hey, well, thank you very much. Love your show. Well, thanks. Have a happy holiday. And you as well. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Bye. Okay, why don't you tell everybody how many garlic plants you put in every year? Around 200. 200? Yeah. And keep in mind, this is for somebody who does not cook. Correct. <laughs> Whose husband would just as soon pull it out of a jar. So no. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you you probably gotten rid of all the vampires. Oh yeah. Years ago. So. Yeah. Or else I invite them in and name them and <laughs> call them family. <laughs> you know, some families, every family should have a vampire <laughs> oh type person. Oh dear. In the mix. Yeah. Well, we still got about ten minutes in the show, so if you've got a last minute question that you've been thinking about. Don't be shy. We have never bitten anyone. That, that comment comes too close to the vampire conversation. Well, that's where it came <laughs> so from. Yeah. yeah. So 303-477-2473 is where you want to go for your garden questions right here on The Legend 810 and The Garden Wise Show with Keith Funk. And that would be me. And normally Jim Borland is here, but he's, he's playing hooky today. He is. We so Luann was that gracious to join me today. And <laughs> I was really enjoying having her here. Let's see. What else can we talk about going on here and there? <laughs> Talked about winter watering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not if, if you're wanting to um, force some bulbs for next spring mm-hmm. for some early color, some tulips or crocus, that sort of thing. I'm not talking about amaryllis or. Right. Or paper-wise, you don't have to force them. They do their thing regardless. Um, but if you want to have some early pots of spring color, like I said, tulips, hyacinths, daffodils, mm-hmm. crocus, that sort of thing, it's not too late. You can still get those potted up. And most garden centers, <coughs> if they've got any bulbs left, 
will have them on a significant markdown. Mm -hmm. So you can get them pretty inexpensively. And it's easy to do. I'm, I used to avoid it because I thought, oh, you have to have a greenhouse, you have to have a cooler, you have to do all these different things. No, you don't. You can do this in your garage easily. The chill. The chill, mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Hyacinth is probably the one that most people really like because they stink so pretty. Mm. And so three hyacinth bulbs in a six-inch pot is a gracious plenty for a large room. <laughs> Given the fragrance. Given the fragrance. Yeah. It is, can be overpowering when they, f when they flower. But uh, three hyacinths in a six-inch pot, regular potting soil. I like to recommend the Fertilome Ultimate Potting Soil. Pot them up. So just the tip of the top of the bulb is poking up above ground just a little bit. Put them in the garage where it's nice and cool. Even if it freezes, that's okay. But keep them watered. They should never be allowed to dry out. They need to sit in that garage for at least 12 weeks. So mark it on your calendar. They have to sit out there and be cooled for 12 weeks before they will bloom. After that period of time, you can bring you know, one pot into the house every seven to 10 days so that you stagger them and put them in a nice sunny east window, west window, even a south window will do. But they, if you can keep the temperatures cool, that's good. Right. And normally we do in the winter. I mean, our temperatures in the winter in most homes don't go up much above 70, 72 degrees, maybe mm -hmm. 74. Right. That's plenty cool. And if you have a cool room you don't use, once you get rid of all the company on yeah. <laughs> <with> the holidays, <laughs> <laughs> that was not poorly, properly said. Once you have waved goodbye to all the guests yes. and you have your house back, you can, you know, usually a cool room somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But a nice sunny room, and, and they will grow and bloom for you in your home. Now, then uh, once they're finished blooming, you can either hold on to them and put them back into a sunny window and keep them well watered and fertilized and encourage the leaf growth. And then in May sometime, once it gets warm enough, you can plant them out in the yard. And then maybe in a year or two or right. three, they'll bloom again. Mm -hmm. it's, very diff it, it, it's hard on them to force them in these pots. It, it takes a lot of energy out of them. Uh, but you can do that with tulips. Tulips are going to take 12 weeks of cooling. Daffodils will take 14 weeks. Uh, all the little bulbs like crocus and squills and snowdrops, um, eight weeks, you'll be able to do that. Now, I've seen people do mixed pots mm -hmm. where they'll put tulips down in, and then on top of that, they'll have some daffodils, and on top of that, they'll have um, crocus layers. all in the same mm -hmm. pot in layers. Mm -hmm. You'll have to cool that to the, to, the, to the bulb that takes the longest. So in that situation I just described, tulips are going to take the longest, so they'll have to stay in the cooling for at least 14 weeks before you bring it out, even though you have some bulbs in there that only take eight weeks. You'll have to keep it for 14 because of the tulips. And couldn't you do that, ma make your pot, and put it in a sheltered space? space outside yes yeah absolutely it's not like taking up a parking spot i just put them on shelves you have shelves yeah <laughs> not all of us have that many shelves you can pick up a sh you can <laughs> pick up a shelving unit on facebook marketplace for 10 bucks i could do that i just have to fight for space in the garage <laughs> <laughs> mount it up on the wall <laughs> that works just fine but someplace where you can um, water it and someplace where it's not in in light it, right. they prefer to be in the darkness like you're going to pretend that they're underground get cool stay cool yeah get Dark. cool stay cool stay out of the, the light yeah. and uh, so if you have to hang a black piece of black plastic in front mm -hmm. of them or something like that to cut out the light that's a good idea
All right. Out to the phones, we've got Joanne waiting to talk to us. Uh, good morning, Joanne. What's going on? Good morning. I just have a question about aspen trees. Yeah. My daughter um, planted some two or either, either two or three years ago, and she's wondering about either keeping the bark white or getting it to be whiter. Is there a mineral that you can add? No, it has. To, it's, that's more in the genetics of the aspen tree itself. So, okay. it, you know, there there are some clones out there that are whiter or grayer than others. And so far, you know, they really haven't done much. The, the breeders, the nursery people haven't really done much about selecting clones or varieties that uh, are good for white bark or are good for red fall color or that sort of thing. I wish they would get around to getting that done. I think the aspen uh -huh. trees in the high country that look so beautifully white are there because that's their ideal place to be. And when we bring them down yeah. here, there's a little more stress. Um, they're just not prime aspen appearance. But the, that color develops over time as well. Mm. So the older okay. the plants get, the lighter that bark will be. And the darker those, you'll get some, some dark, um, where the branches used to be attached. Mm -hmm. You know how aspen mm -hmm. get those black spots on the, f on the, on the stems? Yeah. Um, that happens over time, and it takes 10, 15 years for that to really show up well. Okay. So really just the basics, watering it maybe once a month? Yes, they are a water. They're, I would call them a water hog. Mm -hmm. That's right. a, a tree that right. needs so moisture hog. regularly. All right. Thanks for your call, Joanne. Thank you so much. Happy uh -huh. holidays. And thank you, Luann, for joining me you today bet. on the show. My pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll be back here, I'll, I'll be back here next Saturday to do the Garden Wise show all over again. And uh, look for us uh, every Saturday year-round here on this station and on 95.3 FM as well. Take care, have a happy week, and we'll see you back here next weekend.